Let's make our confession. The Word of God is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. And if I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Give the Lord a hand. Glad to have all of you here today. Glad to have all of you here. You can be seated. Oh, here, honey, they got those set. This is supposed to be yours. This is supposed to be mine. Hallelujah. Praise God. We are glad that you are with us today. It's going to be a great day. Uh, we had a wonderful first service. Looking forward to this one. For all of you who are sponsors of Children in the Sudan, the Dreamland Children's Home, Pastor Stanley and the children have sent a letter to all of you, and uh, it's really awesome. And this is one from, I believe, an 11-year-old, and uh, this is to uh, Sheila. Oh, gosh. Sheila didn't get her. No, no, this is to uh, Robin Shanine Greer. Uh, I am very glad and happy to write you this greeting letter. I greet you in the name of Almighty God, and I thank you so much for sponsoring me. I could not be here and have Jesus in my life like he is if it were not for you. I pray for you. Thank you, your lovely daughter, Agnes Camisa. <laughs> Glory to God. Let's give Agnes a hand. We're in the process, Pastor Stanley, of pre-screening additional children. So if you'd like to get involved and sponsor a child, you can do so. And you, Sandy will be at the door, Sandy and Brad, when you leave, and you can pick up your letters. It's always great to hear from the children, yes. isn't it? Praise That's God. exciting time. Okay. I, what are we talking on today, honey? We're talking about for such a time as this. That's why we're here. And we're also going to talk about in this context that God warns us. Everybody say warns us. God loves us, so he warns us. Uh, his warnings are always because of love, not to uh, put fear in our hearts because we're overcomers. Turn to your neighbor and say overcomers. But he does warn us so that we're ready for what is coming and that we not only are ready, but we are able to walk through it, whatever it is that's coming in our office, in our school, in our jobs, wherever we are, we go through those circumstances. We don't shrink back in fear. If you like an adrenaline rush, you're going to love the end times. <laughs> How many like an adrenaline rush? Oh, not very many. Oh, <laughs> glory to God. Hey, I, I, want, I want to read something first. Yes, because okay, cool. th This is a heavier type message, so we're going to laugh right now, but we can laugh anytime, okay? okay. Turn to your and say you can laugh anytime you want. You can laugh anytime you want. Okay, this is, these are, Chris is not in here, is she? Uh, not yet. Okay, uh, we're going to do this with our children. We'll leave the last names off to protect you, parents. But these are letters that were sent to a pastor that were, they're, they're compiling a book. And they're really cute. And uh, I'm going to read a couple of them to you. I shared some last Sunday. Dear Pastor, I like to go to church on Sunday because I don't have a choice. Sean, age 11. <laughs> when I read that in the first service, I said, Carter, this sounds exactly like you. <laughs> Dear Pastor, when is God's birthday? I'd like to send him a, 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 a birthday card. <laughs> okay. Dear Pastor, my father says God can do miracles. If I pass my history exam, that will be a miracle. <laughs> Thomas, age 11. Dear Pastor, I liked your sermon on Sunday, especially when it was finished. Ralph, age 11. <laughs> age 11. <laughs> I love it. Dear Pastor, 
Does God really want me to take a bath every day like my mother says? That's Stephen, age, age 11. This, this is going to be fun. I think our kids will do this. Uh, Dear Pastor, I'm sorry I can't leave more money in the plate at church on Sunday, but my father didn't give me a raise in my allowance. <laughs> Could you give a sermon about a raise in my allowance? Love, Patty, age 10. I think that is so cute. And, and the other one about the mom, where is it? I don't know. You really liked it. Dear Pastor, everyone says amen after your sermon because they are glad it is over. <laughs> it was a little eight-year-old, and my, my paper clip fell out. But I remember it. Oh, there it is. There it is. This made me think of Lori, our daughter, <laughs> and her children. <laughs> Dear Pastor, God is perfect. Love, Lane, age 10, from Honolulu. P.S. So is my mother, <laughs> except when she yells. <laughs> <laughs> and the boys raise their hand. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about for a time such as this and that God loves you and he loves the world and he always warns us of what he's about to do if we're straying from him. And the reason he warns us is because he loves us, not to tell us he's going to hurt us, not to tell us there's going to be a serious challenge, but to tell us because he loves us and he wants to get our attention. Have you ever, as a parent, warned your child? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I've, always, I've always loved it when, when uh, I'm around a parent. Again, I'll use Lori. I've seen her say this before. So, uh, but she'll, she'll tell one of the boys something. Now, Carter, don't do that again. I mean it, and I always wonder what I mean it means. It's like the final <laughs> punctuation mark. I mean it. Oh, you didn't mean it the first time? I, I, you ever done that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, we she had learned that. from me, I guess. I, I'm not saying we were perfect parents because we weren't, but we're working at being perfect grandparents. Yes. But, uh, but, but anyway, uh, it was our son, Matt who he had one responsibility all through school, and that was to take out the trash. And uh, it was the hardest thing for him to do. And when he finally got a car, he still would not take out the trash. And I said, okay, I'll make a deal with you. You don't have to take out the trash, but if you don't take it out when it's due, you're taking it to school with you. And uh, in the back, and he'd put it in the school dumpster. And uh, sure enough, Most first of the time day, almost the every time trash was due, I saw our son loading the trash, because <laughs> you'd already missed a trash man, loading the trash in the back of his car and taking it to school. At first, he was embarrassed, and then it got to be this badge of honor, <laughs> like the only kid taking trash from home and dumping it in the school dumpster. But he continued to do it, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Well, here's what we're talking about. The devil is after you, your family, yes. your children, this nation, and the world. And his prime focus is the children, his prime focus is Israel, and his prime focus is America. And we've got to wake up, and we've got to begin to stand up, and we've got to begin to speak up as the Holy Spirit leads us for this nation and for your family. You can't count on the school systems, although thank God for it, but prayer and God has been taken out of the public schools. You've got to be focused on what God is showing you to do and that you are responsible to be everything that God has called you to be because he's going to raise up people that I don't believe he's done with America, honey. I really don't. But I believe if we continue on the course that we're on, we are going to face some serious problems, and I believe God is giving us a wake-up call. 
And this message concerning for such a time as this, that God warns his people because he loves us. When we were in Michigan City in that flag, we were at Michigan City recently uh, at uh, Lake Michigan, and the, and it, it, the, the lake was tr as churning as much as I've ever seen it. And, and the waves were crashing almost over the lighthouse out there, if you've ever been there. And the black flags were up everywhere warning, do not go in the water. And about 20 or 30 people were out there surfing with their boards and their kites or whatever you call those things. And uh, in spite of the warning, they were not heeding that warning. The only good news was that they were fully prepared as much as they could be. They had on all the equipment. But you would see the, the waves suddenly take one of them, and they would have to quickly let uh, the whatever that thing like a kite that was they were holding onto, they would have to let that take them higher, everybody say higher, higher. than that wave in order not to be overturned by the wave. And uh, they would literally be up in the air. The wind was blowing, the waves were crashing. You know, um, we can be a skilled mariner, so to speak, but we do need to avoid black flags. It's just best to avoid the black flags. You know what makes a skilled mariner? I know. A calm sea never made a skilled mariner. Yeah. A rough sea. Yes. When a storms of life and you go through as a, as a pilot of a ship, yes. that's when they learn how to navigate. Well, that's true. You don't go have to learn anything if the thing's just floating on smooth ground. But I, I said to Bill that day, I'm sure for them it's fun. You know, and that's something that they look, I mean, you could tell they were just racing to the beach. I mean, they were all trying to get all their equipment on before those waves stopped crashing. But uh, they were they were skilled. You could tell by the way they handled things. But the enemy is also skilled. Everybody say the enemy is also skilled. And he knows how to do what he does. And um, I was thinking, it, this came to me at the end of last service, and I didn't get to share it. But um, I go to this place called Curves. It's, it's probably for older people. But, you know, it does help. You move. And, um, but now they've got this fancier stuff there. And it's, uh, I forget the name of the lady. But you watch this video, and you have to do things that strengthen your core. Everybody say strengthen your core. And the way they do it is they make us do balancing things. And, you know, you can think you can balance yourself. But, you know, when you put your body out, you go on one foot, sure you have to lift sure this leg, you and you have to put your arms out like this, everything starts going. And uh, But she said, what we're doing is strengthening your core. I believe God is trying to strengthen the core of the church for what's coming so that we're balanced. Everybody say balanced. When we go through these things that we don't lose our balance, that we don't fall, but that comes with strengthening. Everybody say strengthening. And one of the ways God strengthens us is to warn us and prepare us so that we get ourselves ready for what we're about to face. You did a good job on your right foot. How's the left one? Can it's you, not very good. You're not going to show us? Well, do I, do I, well I guess I can. <laughs> Like you're, that, but we have to do right. it a long it was, time. You're you, right; it wasn't. You know as good. what makes it make? You know what makes you stay up? Is when you suck in your stomach. It actually tight. Everybody say your core. It helps you keep your balance. Everybody say it's true. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Yeah. Hey, listen! I forgot about this announcement. Sue O'Brien is having a prayer meeting uh, for the community Thursday. 6.30 to 7.30 at the courthouse where the Washington uh, statue is. I think that's 4th Street. I'm not sure. 
of the street. If anybody knows, just shout it out. But anyway, we'll be down there from 6.30 to 7.30. That's September 11th, Thursday, praying for our nation and praying for our protection. And while I'm at it, I I just want to share this. That was a good word, honey. Uh, We're going to be in Esther chapter 4 if you want to turn there. Just go to the book of Job. That's where I'm sure you were all studying earlier this morning. And then take a left and uh, you'll you'll be right there at Esther. But uh, last night when I was, uh, I've had this message in me for a while for such a time as this and, and, and just feel like I was getting revelation from the Lord. And then I, I have wanted to buy a book and I'm going to recommend two books for all of you to purchase. Don't be led by a book, but as the Holy Spirit directs you, read books that will confirm what the Holy Spirit is showing you. And, uh, and I really encourage you, I, I think all of you should read uh, The Harbinger. It's been out for a while now and uh, many of you have. How many of you have read The Harbinger? It's now out with a study guide. It's really good. I recommend everyone on the face of the planet, but especially in America, to read The Harbinger. It is a book that needs to be read. There's a new one out, and I purposely have not started to read this book until early this morning because I didn't want to be influenced by this book until I felt like I had been influenced by the Holy Spirit. And this is by the same author of The Harbinger, Jonathan Kahn, and it's The Mystery of the Shemitah. Uh, last night after I finished the message, I, I went to bed and I started to open it up and, and it really inspired me in areas where I feel like I'm hearing from the Lord, but sometimes you can feel like the lone wolf. Do you know what I'm talking about? Our people can think, hey, you're getting a little weird now here and this kind of stuff. But I believe we're going into some treacherous waters. I believe we're going to come through them victorious if we're doing what God has shown us to do. But if we're not, then we could have has some serious challenges. And, uh, and God has given us instructions in this manual on how to live our life. And we're going to talk about the book of Esther right now, but then leading into the warning signs that God is giving to this nation, to this world. And if we don't heed the signs, then we're going to fall prey to the consequences. But he loves us too much. He does, not, he does not want to hurt us. He does not want to punish us. He does not want to remove his hand of protection from us. But when he gives the warning signs, if we don't pay attention to them, the consequences can be pretty dire. Yes, and you know, Esther was, um, Esther was really captured and taken to the court of the king to be groomed to be his queen. And uh, she had to go through a year of uh, preparation that was just what you did to become the queen. She didn't have a choice in it because uh, she was one of the women. She was beautiful. Uh, That's really what qualified her to be taken into that position of becoming a candidate to be queen. And ultimately, she did become the queen. And as we were looking at this and talking about this this morning in the first service, I felt like the Holy Spirit just dropped in my heart. It looked like she was captured by man, but she was really captured by God. God captured her for that time in her life to become the woman who, for such a time as this, would save the entire nation of Israel as about a 22-year-old. How many of you know you're never too young? You're never too old to do what God has called you to do. The key was, in that position, uh, God was grooming her, not just man's ways of doing what they were doing, but God was getting her ready for that call that she would have. And the opportunity came uh, in time because of a man named Haman who decided to destroy all of the Jews. 
that was his that was his uh, goal that was what he yearned for was to see the entire jewish uh, population annihilated much like the hamas today much like the things that we're saying, seeing today but god raised her up himself everybody say god did it and sometimes i think we get in positions where we think we've been captured and put in a position we don't want to be in but it's not really captured by man in that position god is doing something and he's changing and transforming us into what we need to be for what's coming and we never know the hour when god is going to say rise up for such a time as this. And you're so right, Pam. Uh, Hamas, Hezbollah, uh, Muslim Brotherhood, they all want to destroy the nation of Israel. And that's exactly what Haman tried to do. But what, what God had ordained, God brought that right back on Haman. And they, and they reap what they sow. Word of God says that the, the, those who bless the nation of Israel will be blessed. Those who curse the nation of Israel will be cursed. And what Haman wanted to do by hanging Mordecai, Esther's cousin, ended up, he hung on that himself. And I'm going to paraphrase it for you, but Mordecai, uh, excuse me, Haman wanted to destroy the Jews. He had favor with the king. Mordecai was the cousin of Esther and sent word to him that Haman has had the king sign a proclamation to kill all of the Jews on a certain date. To this date, the Jewish people celebrate Purim which is to honor Esther and what she did to save the people. But I want us to read in, uh, in Esther chapter 4, verse 14, because it came to the point when Esther found out that there was this challenge that was going to annihilate her entire race of people. <clears throat> and Mordecai encouraged her to go to the king. And she basically said, I can't go to the king unless the scepter is extended. And if the scepter is not extended, anyone who walks into the presence of the king will be killed. Now, you have to have a mindset of what it was like to live under the law of the Murds and the Peds. At that time, whenever the king would make a proclamation, the king himself could not change it. It was a law and an order that was carried out immediately with no discussion, no courts, no lawyers. It was immediately carried out. And she knew that if she walked into that court and he did not extend the scepter, that she would immediately be taken out and killed. And she contemplated that. And she said, told that to Mordecai. But then this was his response. Do not think in your heart, Esther, that you will escape in the king's palace any more than any of the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for a time such as this. I believe with all my heart, America is on this planet in this position, in this place, occupying this country, because it is our time to stand with the nation of Israel. We have been placed on this earth as a country to bless the nation of Israel. And from the very beginning of our country until the present, we have been a blessing to the nation of Israel. But they have been a blessing to us, and God has blessed this nation. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So what happened was he was encouraging her about going and doing what she needed to do. And basically, Esther agreed to do it and finally came up with this revelation, if I perish, I perish. Yes, that's her response. And I think um, what she said to do was uh, a key in her victory. And she says in verse 16, go gather together all the Jews, all of God's people that are present 
in Shushan and fast for me and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. Some things require prayer and fasting. Some things require an intense warfare spiritually that comes through prayer and seeking God in a situation. And she said, I also and my maids will fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. Everybody say against the law. Against the law. And if I perish, I perish. You know, um, there is a law that supersedes the law of the land, and it's God. It's God's word as to what should be done in a situation. And when we are called to go against that law, that, that law in this case of the extension of that, that scepter for her to come into the presence of the king, um, when you're asked to do it, then spiritually, everybody say spiritually, the law of the kingdom of God supersedes the law of the land of what we experience. Now, that doesn't mean we go around breaking the law, but how many of you know there are times when people in, in the word of God, we're going to share some of them, when they had to do opposite of what yeah. the king wanted. Yeah. You know, the king oftentimes does not represent what God wants. The king represents what they want or what the enemy wants and uses them in that position. You know, you had said this earlier too, Pam, about how some people that are, we, we said people pleasers that want to be liked by everybody. You, uh, w there are times when the Holy Spirit will tell you, well, let me just ask you this question. Have you ever been in a group of people and the conversation was going the wrong way and you knew the right way and you knew and felt what you should interject into that situation, but you concerned about how everybody would take it, so you just suppressed it? Mm -hmm. Can I see the hands of all the people who have ever been in that situation? I believe those days are coming to an end, folks. I believe the days of being liked by everybody are over. You're just going to have to know who you are, what God wants you to do, and proclaim it boldly wherever you go. And right now, we're hearing, we're hearing the, the message of the warnings. We're hearing them. Uh, you know what it's like to hear a tornado warning, uh, a siren. You know what it's like to hear. Uh, it was very vivid to me when I was in... Um, Israel down near the Gaza Strip, and, and they were sharing with us uh, how they have the air raid sirens all throughout Israel, and the sirens are strategically placed in areas where the only, they only go off in an area where they know the rocket is being tracked and will go, so that the people in the other areas of Israel can continue to live their normal life. But in the area where the siren is going off, you've got to get to your shelter within, I think it's two minutes is all you have to get to that shelter. And everyone in every area of Israel knows where their shelter is. And when they took us up to Sadarot, and we were at a little sidewalk cafe, and it was just like any other cafe. People were milling around and all. And the first thing they said when they got off the bus is, here is the air raid shelter. If the siren goes off, immediately go to that shelter quickly, and you will be okay. And they're concrete bunkers and reinforced. The, the warning signs for America are going off. Right now, we are, and we don't need to go all the way in this direction, but we're the largest uh, 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 exporter of pornography. Uh, the the, the uh, uh, gay lesbian community is absolutely circumventing the word of God in, in our scripture, uh, sanctity of marriage, and all of those things. 
we are moving the wrong direction. How many of you would say that America scripturally is definitely moving the wrong direction? And all people will say, well, now what about we're supposed to love these people? We love every one of those people that are in doing things they shouldn't do. We want them in the church, but we are not going to compromise the Word of God. And if the nation starts to compromise the Word of God, then there will eventually be a warning that will come to that nation. And it will be a warning that will say, you're moving the wrong direction. Change course. Why? Because God God loves us. And in Matthew chapter 2, we're going to give you a couple of scriptures here, but it's 2 verses 12 through 13. God warned the wise men when they went to Bethlehem, go home a different direction because there's trouble with the king. You're going to have a problem. He sent out a warning. He wanted to make sure he protected them. He sent a warning out in a dream to Joseph right after Jesus was born and said, you need to flee and leave this area and get into Egypt. God always warns us. And there are some things that I have in my prayer journal. Some I've preached, some I haven't preached, some I hope, and I've even shared this with you, some I hope they're wrong. I hope I'm hearing wrong, but I don't think I am. I think I am hearing warnings from God that this is the problem this is what needs to be done about it. And if my people will turn and move that direction, they will be blessed. But if they don't, then this is what's going to happen. I believe that's where each and every one of us are reaching now, where you may not be hearing what I'm hearing, but you're hearing something. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're hearing something. You're hearing something. Let me see the hands of all the people. You know you're hearing something. Yeah. Then you give that to God. You don't take a message I give you, but you give to God. Okay, God, what is it you want me to do with this message? Because for a time such as this, we're all being prepared. It's going to be exciting. You know, and warnings, uh, oftentimes when we give a warning, uh, people aren't excited about it. How many of you have ever actually been brave enough to give <laughs> what you thought I heard? I've had people look like to look at me like I wish you would go away. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know so many people could not like me. But you know, when when you give a warning and you start through a place, uh, of the good shepherd that Dan Pastor Dan talked about, the good shepherd takes care of the sheep. Uh, the shepherd that just wants to be liked does not always take care of the sheep because they're more concerned about how it affects them than they are the sheep. And I was, that, I was a people pleaser most of my life, but I learned and have learned as I've walked with the Lord that to serve God, to serve God and not man, to serve God, we're to serve each other and help each other, but serving God comes ahead of serving people. And when we serve God, we are his mouthpiece, not our own. And it doesn't always bring what we want to see at the time, but it's a seed. Everybody say a seed. seed. And when God gets ready to break the deception off somebody's life or to rescue them, that seed that you sowed in them in that warning will go boom. It will, it will harvest and they will be able to hear because you did sow that seed of warning. And, uh, you know, my little granddaughter, she's in kindergarten and uh, she was telling me very seriously at the table on Friday night, um, when, the, when there is a, a, the alarm in the school for a tornado, Grandma, I am supposed to go to the boys' bathroom. And that's, I thought, oh, brother, the boys? I mean, first in kindergarten, boys' bathroom. But, you know, that's, and she know what she said to me, and it's my safe place. 
Now I'm thinking as an adult, she's thinking as a child, she's been told. Everybody say warned. Now she's received that warning and she knows exactly. Then she said, if it's a fire drill or fire alarm, she said, if it's on fire, we go to the door, we stand in a straight line. Now, I mean, this is how precise she is straight line we close our mouth and we don't say anything and we follow our teacher out of the building and we go and she told me where to go then now everybody say a warning, a warning. now you can think you know that's a little too strict no it's not strict because when god's giving orders he says do it this way and this is the way it has to be done and um uh, i was here and i don't know whether it was lawyer somebody said they saw the pictures from southwestern and they saw that in the hallways how the debris blew down those hallways and so they have changed the way that they're protecting the children and taking them into a different location than the hallways because they saw everybody say they saw, they saw what destruction came when they didn't take the warning the right way. Well, we don't want to be in that position. And we pastored Billy Joe Doherty years ago in Tulsa, their home caught fire. And that day, the fire, the firemen were in the building. You know, they do that in the schools. They have the firemen come, or I think they do. They, They do it at the preschools. And they give them instructions on what to do if there's a fire in your home. And he was told, he was, he was five, to get down on the floor and stay close to the floor if there was ever a fire. When their house caught fire, they got outside. They had two of their four children. Billy Joe went back in, and he found Ruth. He brought her out, but he didn't have Paul, the littlest one, the one who is now the pastor of the church. And he went back in. He burned his own lungs to a degree going back in. But Paul was down on the floor where the firemen said to go, crawling under the smoke. Yeah. Why? Because he was warned. He was five. Everybody say five. Yeah. And so I think when, when the Bible says, be as dear children, we've got to be what God calls us to be and to be in those places. Those warnings are to rescue us from what's going on around us. And we don't know when that situation, like when Pastor Bill was in Israel, uh, thank God they were in a ceasefire. But do you know, ceasefires don't mean they're going to cease fire. And so we need to know where to go. Yeah, and, and, and we encourage you to get your children into church. Uh, get them in here on Wednesday nights. I know there are a lot of things going on, but get them in here on Wednesday nights. Get them in here on Sundays. And uh, our grandson, Carter, he prefers to sleep in. And it's like, get up and get to church. And you, Abraham was elevated by God for many reasons. But one of the main reasons was in uh, uh, Genesis 18, I believe it is, that he commanded his children. It's okay to be a friend to your child, but you need to be a commander. Turn to your neighbor and say, you, you need to be a commander. Yeah. Uh, and, and get them in here because they need to be taught the Word of God. Now, I want to give you a scripture in uh, Psalms 19. It's verse, uh, verse 13. 11. Or verse 11, I'm sorry. It's talking about if you'll do what God says and if you live the letter of the law and if you do what he shows you to do, in verse number 11, moreover by them your servant is warned and in keeping them there is a great reward. So turn to your name and tell them, God's going to warn you. God's going to warn you. It's not to hurt you, it's to protect you and to help you get back on track where you need to be for all of the blessings because God wants to bless you. He's just like you as a parent. 
You want to bless your children, but you love them enough to warn them that if you continue doing what you're doing, you're not going to be blessed. But if you do what I tell you, then you're going to be blessed. That is exactly what we need to do. And then also in Hebrews chapter 11, honey, it's talking about Noah. Mm -hmm. Noah was warned by God. And in the warning, he was told what to do. Now, God will never warn you and leave you out there. Like, okay, there's a tragedy coming to America. Bam. He won't do that. He will tell you what to do about what's coming. He will always show you the way of escape. So no matter what you have as a warning from God, see, the devil will try to trick you. The devil will tell you, how many of you ever had bad things come to you, and that's where it ends, just bad things? And it's like a dream, like, oh, it's more of a nightmare. It's not a dream. And, and there's no answer to that. That's not God. When God warns his people all through the Bible, he gives them the answer so that he can warn them to heed and to get their attention, and then he gives them the answer. And when he came to, uh, to Noah, and he said, Noah, I'm going to wipe out the whole world. They're, they're, I'm sorry I created this whole mess, but I'm going to save you and your family because you have trained your family, and you have favor f- with me. You know, um, I believe God will warn family uh, about situations and circumstances because mm-hmm. years ago, uh, my sister Lisa is 16 years younger than I am. And uh, she... Uh, was more like my daughter because my mom, when they dad, when they moved here, they started Five Point Shoes. So I took care of Lisa because she was a fifth grader and she stayed at my house. And she's very strong-willed. She nearly tore the door off my bedroom when she didn't like what I said. She invariably slammed the door and went in there. And uh, very strong, very strong-willed. Well, when she was a senior, I was in the grocery store. This is a true story. I had had a dream that my sister Lisa, they were in the home, the police were there, and she had been, uh, this was in the beginning of drugs. It it wasn't alcohol, it had to do with drugs. And the police were there, Uh, she was in a bad way, things were not right, and I woke up. It scared me. How many of you know a warning can Mm -hmm. kind of give you that emotion of fear? And uh, you know, it took me a while to get over that. Well, I don't know how long the time frame was in between, but I was in the Marsh store on the west side checking out, and I heard the guys, two young guys in front of me, saying, hey, are you going to the party tonight? And the other guy said, didn't know there was a party. Oh, yeah, Beal is having a party. That was my sister. It's going to be at this girl's house that was staying with my sister, Liz was her name, It's going to be at her house because her parents have moved to North Carolina. Going to be a big party. And I heard it. So I went home and I called my sister, Lisa. I said, Lisa, I hear you're having a party tonight. What? (laughs) She got so angry. I mean, I hadn't even said anything. You know why? Because the devil was going to kill her. Try to. But God warned me. She got so mad. I won't even say all she said to me. And I said, Lisa, this is all I have to say. Stop the party. She said, I can't. I said, well, I'll give you 10 minutes and I'm calling mother. And I will do it. She didn't. And I called my mother. And my mother went home and said, Liz will be going to North Carolina and you're not going anywhere This is over. There will be no party. You are going there. The two of you are going to sit on the porch, and you're going to tell them, no party. Sorry. 
for your life. And they did it. She didn't speak to me for months. Literally, she was furious. I thank God because I know what I saw in that dream. And I don't care what she says. The enemy was going to try to kill her that night. He killed, the devil killed three boys in her class in their senior year, right down there on the river road. They ran right into a tree trying to adjust their radio. Three were killed and the other boy lost his arm. He was taking out kids in that class and he was not going to take out my sister. But I had warfare for a long time with her over that deal. Today she's got three boys. She understands fully <laughs> what I was doing. And she walks with Jesus. And she's just as strong as I was. <laughs> because everybody said, God loves us. And he didn't want her to be destroyed. She didn't like me, but that did not matter. And years later, you know, those things became uh, really a guide for her for what she needed to do with her own family. So we, we need to uh, heed those warnings. We're not here for a popularity contest. We're here to do what God tells us to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't care if I'm popular or not. <laughs> I don't care if I'm popular. When you get to the point when you really, and you'll know when you get here, because when you get there, you'll wonder if you've made a mistake. But when you get here and you don't care what people think about you, and you're totally dead to self, you can be used mightily by God. So turn to your neighbor and say, I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what people think about me. Most people probably don't even think about you. <laughs> Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, 7, this is what, this is what, Mo, or Moses, who am I talking about? Who, uh, I don't know where you I are. I moved right along. Who is this guy? Noah, Noah. <laughs> by, faith, by faith, Noah was divinely warned of things not yet seen, yet he moved with godly fear and reverence. He reverenced God so much that God warned him and he started building an ark. Not only did he not know how to build an ark, an ark had never been built. But he built it based on the leading of the spirit of the living God and was able to save, just like Esther later with, yes. with the Jewish race, he was able to save the human race that God created him. It is amazing. And now we're getting to the point again where we have to have that reverential respect for God that whatever he's showing me, he's doing it for a purpose. And I love him so much, I'm going to release it to say, here I am, Lord. I'll do whatever you say. Because we're living in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're living in Matthew 24, talking about the end times. And, and this is my personal opinion because I, it's not, I can't just put my finger on a scripture here, but this is my personal opinion. I believe God is getting ready to shake the earth like it has never been shaken before. And I believe God is getting ready to shake America like it has never been shaken before. And I believe he's going to do it because out of the shaking is going to come correction and that people are going to turn back to the Lord. Much as it was during the roaring 20s and 30s when everything was going great and people thought it was wonderful and the alcohol and the booze and everything was flowing and the stock market was surging. And then came the Great Depression there, in, not in the 30s, but 1929. And, and Lou Beale and John Beale and my parents and, and others that you know lived in what was called by Tom Brokaw the greatest generation. I believe that. 
They loved God, and they had been through a world war. They had been through a depression, and they knew what it was like to turn to God in all of their ways, and we were brought up in that type of an era. I don't know if we're ever going to have another era like the greatest generation. I don't know that. I hope we do, but I don't know that for a fact. But I believe that out of this shaking, people are going to realize they can't continue going like they are. They can't have other what we would call false idols, their paycheck, their job, their profession, the government. The false idols are going to fall down. But out of this shaking, the people are going to turn to God. And when they turn to God and they receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior, and as this mass revival sweeps the land and the world, which I believe it will, then God will have position ready for the tribulation period. But good news is, just prior to that tribulation period, comes the rapture of the church. But so, honey, we are on a course where we need to yield to God and say, God, here I am. What do you want to do with me? You know, there are many voices out there giving this message. And, um, you know, I was thinking um, about the word God gave us back in December, gave it to me, mid-course correction for multiplication. Mm -hmm. You know, some things that happen for correction. First of all, uh, last week when we shared on love, if you weren't here, you need to get that CD. Uh, we talked about how we have got to get in a position again where we love God more than we love anything. Because it says in 2 Timothy that that will be the downfall of the people. Will be They'll love God, but they will love themselves more. So we have to be back in that position where we love God with all our heart, with all our soul with all of our strength and, and everything that's in us. But when we get into that position, then we have to make choices. Everybody say choices. And those choices are going to be what steer our whole family. And I was thinking, as Pastor Bill was just sharing, um, it's time to get our hands on the rudder of the ship. Yeah. Because um, what God showed me in that, in that whole thing was when when we, we would set sail for the other side, but as we set sail, there would be these storms and things that would come and, and different things would happen. But the ultimate goal in Matthew chapter 14 is when they get to the other side, multitudes are waiting. Everybody say multitudes. And so when God gives a warning and, or a correction, he does it because out of love, just like this message we gave at the very beginning that said God's warnings are because he loves us. But what God showed me in that message last week was God's kind of love can give correction and people can be blessed by it. How many of you know correction is not always the best thing to have? But the love of God, the love of God corrects. And when it does, it corrects in such a way that people receive, receive what it is. Now, we're facing a whole generation of rebellion. I'm not talking about ages of people. I'm talking in the world, a spirit of rebellion, the Antichrist. But the love of God, everybody say the love of God, the love of God, where it's been given and received allows people to be corrected. It used to be in the schools, God was spoken about, you know, we had the 10 commandments where God was lifted up and seen as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the, the truth was preached. Correction could come and the people could receive it. But we have removed everything that has to do with that. Therefore, when the, when the correction comes, people rebel 
because they see it as judgment because they have not loved God. And so where we are right now in this message, it says in 1 Thessalonians, um, therefore encourage, admonish, exhort one another, and edify, strengthen, build one another just as you are doing. Now also, everybody say also, we beseech you, brethren, get to know those who labor among you, recognize them for what they are, acknowledge and appreciate, respect them all, your leaders who are over you in the Lord, and those who warn, everybody say those who warn, Everybody say those who warn and kindly reprove and exalt you. It it goes on and says that if we do that, there will be peace. But if we don't do that, well, it's not just in this pulpit that you're hearing these messages. These are messages you're hearing if you listen to Christian television, if you read books. This man, Jonathan Kahn, he, he didn't even know how to write a book when he wrote The Harbinger. God instructed him to write a book. Everybody say called for such a time as this. He wrote that book. Then they encouraged him to write another book. He said, I don't know how to write a book. God will have to tell me what to write or I can't write a book. And he did write another book. When God is writing books, in addition to this book he's already given us to confirm what he's doing, we need to listen. Everybody say listen. That's what that word is saying. We listen to the warnings. And, and what Pam just said there in First Thessalonians, we, we warn the unruly. Let's just turn to, tell your neighbor, we warn, the unruly. we warn the unruly. We don't judge them. We warn them and give them the warning from God. And then I want to give you Colossians chapter uh, 1, verses 28 and 29. Uh, him, Jesus, we preach, warning every man, warning every man, and teaching every man in wisdom that he may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So here's what we have to do. We have to understand that we are living in the times of Matthew 24 and of 1 Timothy. In 1 Timothy, it basically says men will be lovers of self. They will be self-serving. They will be conceited. They'll be somewhat arrogant. They will be uh, narcissistic. Narcissistic means you love yourself more than others, that the most important thing is you. And we live in a spirit in this country and in the world of narcissism. And what happens then is, it's like, well, what difference can I make? Anybody can say that. Esther had, from a standpoint of people, very small influence. She had hardly any influence in the palace until she arrived. She had the influence of Mordecai, but her influence was basically only with the king. But yet when God sovereignly positioned her for that moment where he did and he needed her, he called upon her and she was ready and she was prepared. So as you're sitting here today, because some people wonder, well, what difference can I make? What difference can I make? Only God knows. But the one thing I know for sure is that God wants us to be prepared so when the moment comes, you're ready to move into it. And if you prepare yourself, meaning getting into the Word of God, listening to the Holy Spirit, reading books that the Holy Spirit shows you to read that will confirm what He is showing you, it's going to be our greatest hour. There are going to be millions of people who will perish and go through the most indescribable hell that we could imagine. And all you have to do is read the book of Revelation. But the good news is there are going to be millions of people that will be influenced by what each and every one of us can do if we're prepared 
for what God wants to use us for. So don't sit there and think, oh, well, nothing's happening in my life. Everything is getting ready to happen and come to a crescendo. You know, you don't know when you're in the king's palace. I was just, it was like God was just saying to me, uh, we're not talking about the White House. You know, so many people thought Jesus was going to establish a kingdom and be a king like we know a king. But God's palaces are set up all over the world. Uh, it can be in a fire station. It can be in a police station. It can be sitting at Purdue University in Hovde Hall. It, we don't know where that palace is. But when he extends his scepter, then it's on. Yeah. It's on. And whoever you are, what, whatever position you hold, couldn't be in a, a high school, can be in an elementary school, can be in the library where you're supposed to be quiet. I really believe the Holy Spirit is saying this. Don't count where you are out because it doesn't look like a place of authority. Wherever God give, is, wherever he lives, there is authority. And he lives in us. And when we may be out there, it won't be cookies that's talked about at that machine. It'll be Brad <laughs> saying what needs, if you weren't here on Wednesday night, you don't know that story, but if it's going to be people who learn from the cookie lesson that God is going to say, this time we won't be talking about cookies. That's right. This time we'll be talking about what's really happening. Yeah. And wherever you are, no, no place that you are cannot become the king's palace. I just felt like God said to tell you that. No place, no place on this earth can God not show up. No place. Let's all stand to our feet. I believe that each and every one of you were born for a time such as this. God could have brought you into this earth any time he wanted, but you are here on a mission. You're here for a purpose. And for a time such as this, God wants to use you. Esther was used to change an entire race of people and save them. She was 22. Joshua was used mightily of God, and he was 80. Abraham was used mightily, and he was 100. You're never too young, and you're never too old. But God wants to use you. In just a moment, I'm going to have Pam pray for you, but would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I, I want to ask you this question. You, you may have been attending this church for quite a while. Uh, you may be even a member of this church. But do you know for sure that if you died today, you would go to be with Jesus? Have you asked Jesus to come into your heart and forgive you of sin? Or are you perhaps like that prodigal son, prodigal daughter that's walked away from the things of God? If I've described you, then you know it because God is showing you. And all over this church, if you're here and you'd say, Pastor, pray for me, I... I know that I need to let Jesus into my life. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. We're going to pray for you all over this church. We hope this message encouraged you. 
Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.